All right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Longball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You listen to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How are you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, good man. I'll, I'll start with a, a couple of apologies. Um, first of all, sorry for a lack of consistency recently, which is basically <laughs> my fault um, and, and very much not yours. I hope my listeners don't think it's anything to do with you. Um, I'm just, yeah, a lot going on. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 we always say we pride ourselves on our consistency on weekly um, releases. And I feel like the last month's been a bit slack. But um, so apologies for that. My second apology as well is that I've been trying to sort out my mic situation. Um, <laughs> and I thought I had sorted it. And then I've lost the adapter that I needed. And so, yeah. So um, <laughs> sorry to start things on a negative, but I feel like I need to get your apologies out there <laughs> off the bat. Listen, all that matters is that uh, we can hear what we're saying. Uh, also, interesting, I think the last time, the last podcast we put out, and we haven't spoken that much since, was when we were in Portugal. So, mm. um, yeah, we haven't really we haven't really chatted since then. I think it was, uh, I listened to the show back, obviously, because I was editing it. And it was, a, it was a fun one to listen back to. I hope people um, enjoyed it. But yeah, no, I think I was just sort of, there was, it made me realise that there was some stuff that we we didn't even couldn't even include really like we the whole build up to the game where we were there was like a whole fan zone and and all that mm. kind of stuff so um i was one thing that we didn't include on the on the on the podcast was about the uh um legends game which was um in the fan zone before where they had sort of legends and by legends they mean sort of z list x pros of like the the big clubs um playing a little five-side tournament, which was really great to watch. Um, I thought uh, a couple of things that I sort of remember from that. One, how competitive it was. Like the the ex-players clearly never lose that like competitive edge. The amount of people getting in the face of the ref was like hilarious for basically a five-side tournament in front of fans. And um, the other thing I remember was like, because they had teams from Estoril, Sporting, Benfica, can't remember Braga. maybe they had Braga as well. Um, the most overweight team was the Benfica team. I wonder what that says. <laughs> All the other I mean, teams were in like, great shape. <laughs> I feel like was it Carissa the centre back and better the goalkeeper would be um a bit offended to hear you say Z list there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought better was great because he was he was up to some proper antics in the in the final, wasn't he? Just like a bit of time waste and all that stuff. Um, no, I thought that was great. It was probably the best quality fiber side I've ever seen in my life. It was, it was the best the best quality football I've seen that close. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I, I, the, the final was great. I think it was it was a great. Um, they really were pushing for it, weren't they? And it seems like uh, it seems a shame that this they're going to be taking this to Saudi Arabia uh, mm. next year because, like you know, the the fan zone was great. The um, the actual match was. It, brilliant in terms of atmosphere and the everything like the pyrotechnics the the, the, mm. all the images in the big tree which just it was it was fantastic so yeah it seemed like a and, and everyone there just seemed to be loving it so that was just you know for that to be taken away from Portugal just seems a bit of a shame but that seems to be the trend that you see yeah that surprised me as well and again we didn't I don't know whether the news had literally just broken or we didn't really know it at the time but yeah that that was another thing that confused me because like you say, they put so much effort into this final, including doing things like inviting people like us to go, you know, because the only reason we went was because they they invited us and clearly they'd invited a lot of people and 
as you say, they'd put a lot of effort into making it happen. And I, and I have to say, I really loved the event and I thought they did it really well. And I thought it worked really well being in um, that town, Luria. I thought that it worked really well having that older buzz around the, around the town during the whole day. Um, and yeah, to think that, that that's all just going to be kind of lost next year. Yeah, it, it is a real shame because um, I thought they were on something really good. And, and if they'd kept it in, in Portugal, then um, um, then yeah, they could have really built something. And uh, But alas, you know, those decisions, those decisions are not made by us. Exactly. Yeah. Although, um, yeah, well, there you have it. Um, all right. Well, we're going to get on and talk about all the action from Jornada 22. Premier League season, as Barney mentioned, we have we have missed a little bit, including the transfer window, uh, which closed. So a lot's happened, but um, the the league in a very similar position to what it was the last time uh, we spoke. But as always, before we get into it, just uh, to start the show by saying that if you listen to the show regularly, maybe you consider yourself a fan of the podcast and you listen most weeks. Um, some ways that you can help support the show. Um, I know a lot of people in this section like to say, oh, leave us a Apple podcast review or a Spotify review. We would gratefully receive it. But I don't know about you, Barney, but for me, I just feel like the, the most valuable thing someone can do if they want to support the show is just sort of share it with with friends, people that they know that would enjoy it, give it a share on Twitter because we always do a tweet about each episode. And yeah, just spread the word. That for us is the most valuable thing that, that you can do for this podcast to help it grow. And of course, if you really consider yourself a fan, if you if you really like what we do um, and you want to take another step up, you can become a long ball football socio on Patreon for just £1 a month. Um, I say it every week, Barney. I still think it's one of the best value Patreons going. It's £1 a month. You get a bonus podcast most weeks. You get monthly watch-alongs. You get access to the Patreon Predictions League where you can win real-life prizes. So, um, yeah, link to that is in the... Uh, description of this episode and check out if it takes your fancy um but let, let's get stuck into it um we're going to try and cover quite a few games this week um and i want to start barney with um arguably the most high stakes game in the Premier league this weekend which for me was braga who took on forens um, it was a game that followed Braga's heavy 5-0 defeat to Sporting and also a very disappointing 4-2 loss to Carabag in the Europa League. Since then, there have been rumblings um, from before the game that, that perhaps Arsene George's uh, job was on the line. Obviously, nothing concrete in that, but certainly what, what is true is that um, the fan base are certainly starting to lose patience with Arthur George, I think, after a string of bad results and probably a slightly underwhelming season so far, although it seems strange to say that after um, the last time we did a progress being them winning the Tassel of the Liga. But it is what it is. Um, whichever way you look at it, they needed a win, uh, which they did manage to get. They won the game 2-1, but only after missing a first-half penalty and looking initially like they would have to settle for the 1-1 draw. But it was an 88-minute winner from Sharon Dorr. Gave them all three points. And if the rumours are to be believed, spared Arthur George his job for another week. Yeah, it does feel like there's a real uh, negative momentum with Braga at the moment. And, and, and add to that list of uh, disappointments, the departure of Almas Ratti to um, yeah. Bishikas in Turkey at the end of the... well. In the, midway through the end of the Turkish uh, transfer window, obviously the, Europe, the, the, the Portuguese one shut, and we thought we always had that uh, moment of 
seems like we're safe and forgetting that these other windows are still open. But yeah, 12 million as well, which was seen like a, a low price considering, you know, those rumours of going to Fulham in the summer for 35 million. But all this sort of ties together, doesn't it? The sort of, so is the season a write-off now? You know, they've, um, the, the, the heavy loss in the first leg of the Europa uh, League, the, the, the gap that's um, building between them and, and certainly one of the top two teams in this league. And it just feels like they're, it's almost, yeah, like I said, just a, that's it. This sort of, we'll, we'll just write this season off now. Um, and that's, it's just really disappointing. Um, I think the sale of Rati really hit me because he was, he's such a, it would definitely go down as one of the most underrated. I know we rate him, a lot, a lot mm. of people do, but he still feels like he's one of the underrated players in this league. He's a real quality midfielder, um, so that, which still makes the price seem really low for me. But look, it just—I don't know. But they've—they've they've struggled all season. They haven't made the the leap we thought they were going to make, considering the transfer window. The, considering they were able to keep Mizrati for the first half of the season, mm. um, and so. Yeah, I completely understand why Arsenal is coming under a lot of pressure. I think this performance in itself, you know, friends of we shouldn't forget friends have given all the big four teams a, a good game this season. They've they've scored every time they've played them as well, which is quite an interesting statistic. So this game was always going to be difficult. Banza coming back into the team for Brug was, you know, vitally important in the league. Um, you know, that's been obvious last few games with Abel Ruiz. And it was a surprise that Abel Ruiz started alongside. Mm. Uh, bands are in this game um, and Sharon Dorr getting the winner is, is I think quite important because that that was quite a quiet signing I'd say for this January transfer window um, obviously a highly rated at his time at Benfica B getting that move to PSG but limited game time out on loan and coming back to Portugal um, and a player who can play in that 10 role um, I don't know if he can play a little deeper because obviously there's a gap when Mishrachi left but you know that that extra body in midfield. He's going to be an important player because when you look at the the likes of the their options and the, those central midfield areas, Moutinho, Vita Carvalho, um, and and it sort of seems to be you know that's that's it really. So um, it's going to be interesting to see his effect on the team and obviously, yeah, an, an important effect in this game. And I think you're right to say it's probably kept Arthur George in the in the hot seat for another week. I mean, I think that the second leg against Karabag suddenly becomes Braga's most important game in the season. I don't mean that because, you know, it's essential that they progress from this round of the Europa League. I don't I don't think Braga are a club that necessarily are guaranteed sort of um knockout football in, in the Europa League, but from a kind of almost from a position of, of pride, you know, they have to they have to address that situation. They they have to win. Um, ideally a win that will put them through because they need to um, overcome a two-goal deficit. But for me, it's just more about, you know, there's been too many disappointed performances this season. There's been too many times where they've kind of let themselves down, underperformed. Um, the worrying thing for me is is that they started the season with some problems Um and six months later, they only seem to have more problems. You know, the, the problems that they had at the beginning of the season haven't been addressed. Um, I completely agree that Banzer coming back is huge uh, for them, but straight back into the starting 11 after coming back from AFCON. So before he left, he'd scored 14 goals uh, for Braga this season and he came back and scored 
straight away in his first starts. He's coming back from combinations. Um, he started Abu Ruiz on the left alongside him. I, I Forgive me, I wasn't sure whether Alvaro Jala was just dropped or whether he was injured or whether he was suspended. But either way, you know, Arthur George has kind of put Abu Ruiz in there, but this time on the left-hand side, I just, just felt that that wasn't the right call because I I understand that Arthur George kind of has maybe a sense of loyalty towards Abu Ruiz after everything that he's like, you know, he wants to back his player. He wants to believe in him. Um, uh, Abu Ruiz scored one goal in the seven games that he played whilst Simon Banzer was away. I don't think that's particularly good enough. And I think we saw Roger Fernandez come on and once again, look like one of the best players on the pitch. And I think perhaps playing someone like him in the place of Alvaro Jallo would have been um, a more interesting choice, and it would have been a more you know more positive uh, positive decision, arguably. But look, that said, um, it was it was three points. They they got it any way that they could. Um, I think we'll, it will be interesting to see what conversation we're having about them. Um, in a week's time, because I think this is very suddenly um, a very, very big and very important week for 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 Braga, because you know it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they they exit the Europa League at the hands of Carabag, which I think would be an upset. And then they've got a tricky game on Monday night away at Boavista, which you know, you know things could be things could be very interesting this time. A week in a week, I think the you know and look, the, the the problems are still there, and I wasn't particularly um, convinced that they were going away by this performance. But the one big positive, like you said, is Simon Banzer coming back, and I think with him in the side, they've got a much better chance of of playing well and getting results. Because I think the the reality is, if Simon Banzer isn't on the pitch, I think the game ends one one, and I know that sounds might sound oversimplistic but I just don't see where um, the goals are coming from at the moment so yeah a big week for Braga I think perhaps next week's conversation is going to be more enlightening about um, about their season and there could be some you know could be some interesting things to discuss uh, discuss then um, we should chat about Ferenc obviously um, good performance they've done like you said they, they score they score goals against big teams and they did so again in this game Man of the match for me, Barney, was um, Ricardo Velho in in net because once again he showed why he's one of the most underrated goalies in the league. Big penalty save in the uh, in the first half, Joao Moutinho. Um, very strong penalty. Um, to use uh, a big cliche, it was a good height for the keeper, but he still has to make the save because it was a it was a good strong penalty. Um, and the moment for me that almost summed up Velho was actually weirdly enough the second goal for Braga because if you watch that clip. Even in the build-up to that goal, it's uh, the ball is clipped into the box and uh, Nyakate is free. He's got a free header from six yards out to um, to get the winner for for, for Braga and, and Velio makes a wonderful save. Um, he's very unlucky that it kind of rebounds into the path of another Braga player. But uh, from minute one to minute night, yeah, I thought Ricardo Velio was fantastic and uh, definitely not for the first time this season. Yeah, no, he's he's um he's can well quite a few times I think he's put in some big performances. Like I mentioned earlier in this game, it's just a big team. He's usually pulled off a few um, fantastic saves to keep the friends in it in it for these games. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the uh, goal scorer Al Baloumi, the twenty-one-year-old Algerian mm. player. I mentioned a few times this season. He's up to four goals and two assists uh, now. Um, you know, left-footed player, like some kind of side on the right. 
And um, sorry to bring a, a statistic in out, but you know I love the CIES Football Observatory. <laughs> um, they they take stats from all leagues across the world. But um, Bloomy, interestingly, has the lowest percentage of backward passes for an under twenty three winger in in the world. But which is a, a, a weird little statistic, <laughs> but I think it just sort of shows you the player is you know so positive, so forward focused, um, always looking to make like progress the team forwards. I think he's been a handy little winger for them this uh, season. They've got a few handy little players, friends. Oh, that's, sorry, that sounds really patronising, but either they've got a few good players. Um, <laughs> Not a bad little team, <laughs> exactly. But they have they've got a good, they've got a good team, and, and they, they've done really well this season. Yeah, I think we should talk about uh, Jose Marcel a little bit. Um, you know, he's done a really good job of them this season. Um, you know, they've been quite stable, I'd say. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're where are they? They're quite hot in the league. Um, they're on a bit of a run, a bit of a bad run since Christmas, you could say. But I think overall, you know, they're 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 always competitive in games, is what I'd say. And, and you know, that as as lots that is to do with value, but they always have some some good players, as I mentioned. And uh, yeah, Bloomy for me is is their, one of their standout ones. That I, I really like the other look of. Yeah, and I think you know, Jose Mota does deserve credit because I think everyone pretty much thought of all the newly promoted teams that came up. That they would be the most likely to go to go back down, and I think he's taken not one of the strongest squads by any means, and made them into very kind of a very solid looking team. So, um, yeah, absolutely, Jose Mota deserves some credit. Um, I think I've said it before in the podcast, but I almost feel bad now because I sort of took the piss out of him quite a lot last year because he was the man who um, took over from Cesar Pachotto for. Uh, Passos de Ferreira when they kind of lost their first 12 games of the season he then lost the next five and they brought Cesar Prosciotto back in so he was the only manager last season worse than Cesar Prosciotto um, of course he's now dispelled that that rumour and proven that he's a, a very good uh, look, very capable manager doing very good things so like you know pretty unspectacular team for Rennes but credit where it's due they've, they've uh, had a very decent season so far um, let's do another game uh, we're, the rest of the top four Barney, we've got games from Sporting, Benfica, Porto, all quite routine wins. We might not spend too much time on all of them. Um, I do want to touch on Sporting first, though. Obviously, they would have seen uh, the other three teams in the top four this weekend get wins, and they would have known that on Monday night they had to win to kind of stay on level points with, with Benfica at the top of the table, which they did away at Morarens. Uh They won 2-0. Morarens having a good season in sixth place, but the one thing that Morans have not done is really taken big points off off teams above them in the take well in the top four um uh, they've put in some good performances I look back to the opening day of the season against Porto they lost 2-1 but they played well I think they got a draw against Benfica so they have been good performances but equally they've, they've not really taken many points they they lost 5-0 to Porto not long ago um and I think this was pretty a bad time for them to play sporting because look sporting are playing really well and they're playing ruthlessly at the moment which i think is a, a worrying sign for any team going to play against them the thing about sporting at the moment is that they just have that air of, of competency about them that consistency about them which means you never really doubt that they're going to get the the result that they needed because this could have been a, a trickier game on paper you know, against a, a team doing well, overachieving with uh, you know exciting manager, interesting players, and you know wanting to cause an upset, but at no point during this game really were Sporting tested. I thought um, it was only two 0 in the end. It probably could have been three, um, 
but it was just a very comfortable win. Yeah, I mean, uh, Murrays have shown all season they're pretty good defensively, so it wasn't a surprise that there wasn't as many goals as mm. some of Sporting's recent performances. But um, no, I thought, um, no, I want to talk about Pedro Gonzalez, Albert, because um, he's up to uh, 13 goals and 12 assists so far this season. So that's the, it's, um, the fourth consecutive season he's got 25 goals and assists, uh, goals or assists, sorry, in, in mm. the season. And, which shows real consistency, right? But I think in my head, he's a player with fluctuating form, because especially considering after his breakout season. And I think perhaps I, I'm wrong to think that because, you know, obviously Jokers has been the, the, the probably the biggest star of that team this season, but it feels like Pedro Salvas. I don't know. I, I wrote down like perhaps there's similarities to Rafa. And by that, I mean like, Rafa's a hell of a player, really good player. But then, could Pedro Gonçalves be this person who is really good in the league, in, in Portugal, but just never gets that move? And I and I know he's always had he's been rumored of, of a move to the Premier League or, or very other teams. And I know he is rated in, in, in quite a lot of circles. But there's still something about him where I feel like I don't see him as this incredible player. And maybe I'm doing him in, in, in injustice there. Because uh, of reasons I've, I've just said, but he's it's just it's just an interesting. But I think the thing that Amrin's always trusted, right? He's played in various positions. He's always in the team. And if you look at other areas of the pitch, they the the, the Trincao and Edwards situation at the moment where they're both sort of having to fight for a place in the team. Pedro Gonzalez's position in that starting eleven is never in doubt. Be that if he's slipped into midfield or, or played out out wide. So perhaps that sort of answers my question then in terms of what how important our own season. He's um I think he's excellent and I think he's just perhaps just I don't know, I don't know if you agree, but it just it doesn't stand out as much, but he is really good. <laughs> I know what you mean. Do you know what the comparison I would make, and sporting fans are gonna hate me for this, but is with um with Jean Mario at Benfica, who last season was like the the club's top scorer, but if you were asked to say what is Joao Mario's outstanding attribute, you couldn't really put your finger on it. And I think there is a, a kind of a similarity, in a way, with Pedro Gonçalves, although a slightly different player. I think Pedro Gonçalves is a more dynamic player. I just think there's a lot to be said for a player with great attacking awareness, great positioning, and great timing, and with a knack of being in the right place at the right time during attacking attacking play. Um, and I think. Pedro Gonzalez has made a pretty good career out of doing that, and and he did um he did have a slow start to the season. I think the the, the dynamic for for Pedro Gonzalez over the last two seasons is that his um importance in the team has reduced slightly, and I don't mean that because he's less important, but because there are now a lot more other players of equal or more importance in that sporting team. You look back to that season when they won the league, and he was really the star man he was the the best player in that side and and the one who who was kind of the main figure but now you would look at players like Jokeres, Edwards, Trincao um even players in midfield like Hulman and Marita and 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 at the back players like Quatas and Inacio and Diamande and and Quaresma and players that are all of a certain standard and 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 there's a lot more players are in and around the same kind of level as him and so perhaps that's been an adjustment for him you know to feel like he's not the one contributing every game but 
I think he has really settled into this season. And like you say, those stats are fantastic. So clearly he's um uh clearly he's he's yeah, clearly he's doing really well. I wanted to talk about the, the midfielder, but you mentioned there Hulman and Marita, just about how um how balance is. Mm. And I think when um when Marita signed for sporting, I never really well, no, I, I take it back further. When, you know, when it was Panini and Mateus Nunes, right? And it felt like that was very much a six and an eight. You know, Palina, the enforcer, the person who break up the play, Mateus Nunes is that player to get the ball forward, be it passing or do it himself. And then um, Marita was signed and I felt like he sort of slotted in as that Palina replacement, if you will. They've obviously still got Brancanso who was injured, but he seems like that eight. And then Hulman's come in, who's certainly a bit of everything. And then Marita's develops and his relationship with Hulman is a little bit of everything as well. It's, it just seems to be, they've got a great understanding, I'd say for sure. And I saw some really good analysis of the way they combine for this game in terms of Marita creating space for Hulman to get the ball and progress it forward. And Marita's got a few goals this season. And, and, and you know, he's, he's, he's not afraid to get forward himself. And Hulman is just an incredible classy player. Who, like I said, I feel offers everything because a great understanding of the game, be that finding um, space or you know seeing where where danger is and breaking up play himself. He's um, it's sort of it's it's given a, a sort of different dynamic to this uh, Amarin Sporting, which you know, like I alluded to, Nunes and Padina, which felt very much you know six and eight, you know, very you know you know which one's going forward, you know which one's staying. But with 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 these two, you know, there's a bit more variety. They they can they can you know, play both sides of the pitch, and yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I think that the, the main the main person I want to praise in that is is Marita because I feel he's, um, you know, talking of players who are sort of underrated. He he's certainly like a player who's taken his game to a next level from this move, and he's pushed on and he's developed and he's he's adapted and he's he's fitted in and he's always done a job. And yeah, he's excellent. I think he that partnership is is is. It's quite special, really, and, and and you know, on paper, when you saw those, when you see those names, and when human arrived, I wasn't expecting it to be this good, but they're they're, they're fantastic. Mm, absolutely, um, I think there's probably more we could we could do on sporting, but um, we we talk about them every week, and we're going to need to save some some stuff for future weeks because you know I can feel that there's going to be a lot more wins for sporting this season, and a lot more opportunity to praise them. Um. It's difficult to know what to say about about Morrens in this game because um, it's funny. Look, I did I did um, the I was with Nino Torres doing his YouTube preview uh, of this game, um, and I didn't know what to say about Morrens then. I don't know what to say about Morrens now because on the one hand they deserve a lot of credit for for the season that that they're having for what they've achieved, being sixth place in the table, um, beating a lot of teams around them. I don't know if you knew this, Barney, but until very recently, the only games they'd lost this season were against teams in the top four. They did recently lose a game against Casapia, but that was the first time this season that they'd lost a game outside uh, against a team outside of the top four. And I think that really shows what um, a great season they're having. You know, they, they've done so well to get important points against the teams in and around their level. But I didn't ever really feel like they were going to get something from this game before, during, or even retrospectively. And and during the game, I don't think 
they were particularly dangerous. I don't really remember any moments where they seriously troubled uh, Sporting's backline. So it, it's difficult to know what to say about them. They they obviously deserve a lot of credit. Um, I think probably listeners will have heard us say this about uh, teams like Morins a lot of times. But the fact is, I don't think this is a game where we can can really judge them. Um, it would have been nice to see them perhaps or sporting a few more problems. But the reality is I don't think this is it. This is the, a game that they were ever really going to get much from. No, I think one of their issues now going forward will be the, the loss of Andre Lewis, who uh, moved to China, who had, uh, I think, six goals and two assists. Because when you look at their their goals scored, they've, they've got, well, they've scored 26 goals this season. Aruka, Ferenz, Jean-Lucent, Bovista, Estrel Cryo, all teams lower, but all teams have scored more goals than that. Um, and so it's gonna they're gonna have to rely on their sort of well it's it's, it's a young strike force they've got the likes of uh, Luis Asu started this game uh, Macedo and Gotti you know we haven't really seen those players much this season so it'll be a question of whether they can fit in for the fit in the boots of Andre Lewis who was who's quite a key player because um, yeah quite a lot of their results have been by a goal or two or just a goal to be honest so I think that's an area which will be interesting to see how that plays out the rest of the season but you know. Yeah, they're still, they've had a great start to the season and that should carry on through, certainly. Yeah, all right. Next game, Barney. Um, Benfica 6, Vizela 1. Uh, now, Benfica, I think, are in are in good form. Um, I think they've won a lot of important games. Obviously, they had that draw against uh, Vittoria not long ago. But in a strange way in that game, I didn't, I didn't actually think they played badly. And it's important to remember that that was very, very tough conditions with a pretty much a waterlogged pitch. Um, and against a very good team. They followed that draw up by beating Toulouse in the first leg of the Europa League knockout. Um, and generally, I think they're playing well. So it wasn't really a surprise to anyone that they beat 17th place Vizela at home. Perhaps the only surprise was the fact that they were 5-0 up at halftime, which was very impressive, especially with five different goal scorers. Um, they won the game 6-1. Uh, full-time they're top of the table obviously for now Sporting had that game in hand but the thing the thing with Benfica is that this kind of form is 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 vital because they have to keep putting the pressure on Sporting and keeping themselves in the title race not just with points but with impressive performances because you know they want to be saying to Sporting look we're ready for whenever you slip up and I think this kind of performance that they put in was um did exactly that really I, I found this game really interesting. I think um, the first thing is the the lineup that Roger Schmidt ran. There was heavy rotation. You know, um, Neres and Gouveia got a start alongside either side of Rafa. Tengas Tengas got even the line. Jao Mario coming into the midfield. Um, even Thomas uh, Arujo getting a, a start as centre back. You know, these are these are big changes, and we saw well players like Di Maria Alsnes out the team who are sort of mainstays, if you will. Um, and it, it, I, I read an article a couple of weeks ago in the 2-2 the draw with um, the Vittorio Albert by uh, Lionel Gomez for um, Goalpoint uh, PT. Um, a, a brilliant article about uh, balance. And, and it was basically focused around the double pivot of Benfica, which, you know, around the likes of Florentino and uh, Jao Neves and Koshu and who fits and where and how, how does it work and what Schmidt's perhaps looking for in his team. Or what I found most interesting was that in that article, as I alluded to at the end, and, and the, the 
the presence of Jao Mario in the Benfica team because Jao Mario is a clear uh, example of Schmidt looking for balance in terms of he's playing in a wide attacking midfield role, but really it's it's what he offers defensively is why he's got his spot on the team and 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 it was only at the very start of the season that we saw the likes of Neres and Di Maria or Neres and um, Gouveia sort of given starts either side of, of the striker. So to see it in this game and, and the effect it had, you know, it was it was always a, a moment of, I don't know, just it, it all came together. 5 0 at half time, you've got two attacking wingers on the pitch. You know, it's, it's, it's basically. Having playing that gamble, sort of looking for the imbalance of sort of having players who are going to do something, who are going to create some magic. You might lose the ball because they take on a player or two, but they they, they give something, they give more power to the attack. And um, it's something we haven't seen Schmidt do at, at, at all, really, this season. And to see it happen was quite, uh, I thought it was, it was, I mean, look, let's be fair, is there a, Played a game where it did it did help them uh, and allow Benfica through a lot, but it was a moment for me where you you really could see what this Benfica squad could do, and and perhaps what Schmidt hasn't offered much this season. Um, I I just thought Neres was fantastic, it was great to see him back because we knew how good a player he is, but the Cigavey on the other side as well and just sort of just let them go. Teng said as well, it was fantastic. Um, and it just felt that bit more free-flowing, I'd say. You know, how much space Rafa had, um, how direct they were, it was just, it was it was great. Yeah, and ho- hopefully Roger Smith will look at that because I, I think he's probably just been, he spent the whole season just erring on the side of caution, perhaps mm. going for solidity in favour of, um, you know, taking a risk, which... It's got them. It's done them pretty well so far this season. So you can't knock it too much. But yeah, I definitely think that you know that first half, particularly. Hopefully, well, not hopefully, but potentially, he'll he'll look at that and think, okay, well, I have got this other option, and I would like to see him trust those players, those younger players like Gouveia and, and Tengstead a little bit more that they can that they can make an impact, not just in games at home against uh, Vizela side who are much weaker than they are, but maybe in, in bigger games as well when needed. Um, I want to. I do want to talk about Vizela, Barney, because I. Th- I think this was a very, very strange game for for Vizela. Um, they preceded this game with one of their first wins in a very, very long time. Really important result for them. Um, they'd been playing well in in quite a lot of games, but just just not getting results. Um, and you thought that maybe they'll go into this game and 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 play well. Maybe they'll frustrate Benfica. Um, you know, maybe they have that confidence, but. The first half was um, was 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 shambolic. You know, it was a terrible performance in the first half. I thought a lot of players had had very poor performances, and and they gave away so many chances for for Benfica to score. That you know, the five goals was was really not an exaggeration in the first half by any means. But second half, they were much. I thought they were much better. They 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 got that goal back a little bit fortuitously. Obviously, you have to say it comes from a goalkeeping error but they then miss a penalty that would have given them a second goal and and honestly for me Barney for about the last 20 minutes of the game I, I thought they played really well and I, I genuinely think that Vizela could and should have had three goals in this game against Benfica at Stadia Luz now obviously context is, is important because 
Benfica had already scored the five goals. They'd killed off the game in the first half. They didn't need to be as aggressive or as proactive in the second half. So that probably in itself allowed Vizela back into the game. But perhaps there is there is a a thought there that that if they hadn't been quite so poor in the first half, and maybe this game could have been been slightly different. But look, I'm not I'm not saying that to take anything away from from Benfica, who were excellent and and did deserve to win by a huge margin. I just think. In 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 some ways, perhaps this this sums up where where Vizela are this season. You know, showing signs of promise, but just too many mistakes and too many issues that uh, you know ultimately mean that it wasn't it wasn't good enough, and they were they weren't close to the to the result that they wanted. Well, look, I think um, that win against Juve sent the week before for um, Vizela, which felt like quite a a key moment. Was um, I don't know, Ruben de la Barrera's, well, they've been active in the, the window. You know, they've brought Bruno Costa back from um, France. Uh, they've got um, Dom- is it Dominguez Quinoff, uh, ex Watford player, ex Udinese player. Um, and they've come straight to the team and, and looked good, but in a midfield which is full of attacking players, right? Daniel Nascimento as well, the, the, the young. Um, the young man from Benfica, you know, the young would, but once again, a player I was sort of cast as an attack midfielder. So, uh, Ruben de la Barrera has sort of gone for this very attack minded midfield and, and sort of thrown of caution to the wind and not sort of considered the defensive uh, task that the team that likes to face against a team like Benfica. You also saw it in this, you know, sort of trying to play out from the back as well. And, and uh, that, that sort of led to one of the early goals. Um, but, but, and that this is something that's always been with since Ruben de la Barrera has taken over is that they have been, as you say, they do, they do have their moments and they and they do look like they can play football at sometimes and and, and they can make chances and Asen got another goal in this game, <laughs> um, albeit from that Truman mistake. Who, by the way, Truman, fantastic. I mean, is it three penalty saves this season? Which is mm-hmm. he really he made the, up for the mistake with the save because it was a good save. Yeah. Yeah, and he's been excellent. But um, look, I think yeah, it was very interesting. And then I'd I'd go as far as to say, look, they're, they're trying to avoid a relegation by playing the right way. <laughs> but if if you if you if the right way is playing football and not just put, you know grinding out results, so I don't know. I I think this, the the I think that what they did in the window by bringing those two players I mentioned, Queener and um, Costa, in is really important because mm-hmm. I think they're 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 players who can make stuff happen for them and and you know maybe pop up with a goal or two or, or you know create something. So that that's a real positive for them. It's just whether they, you know, we, it, you can call it not ABT. I don't know. It just seems like they've they've tried to to play certain games the wrong way, um, and this was a prime example in the first half. I think I think by I think I will I will call it naivety and I think where I'm at with Vizela at the moment is I think there's a, there was you know when Alvaro Pacheco was was in charge there was a tendency for people to judge Vizela based on the team that they thought they were rather than the team that they actually were and I think that's because you know Vizela did did really well to come up through the leagues you know the story everyone knows the story by now Alvaro Checo took them from the third division to the first using largely the same group of players and playing very attractive football but people forget that Pacheco was and is a very pragmatic manager 
And they survived in the Premier League because Pacheco didn't stubbornly try and play the same way he'd played in the second division and the third division because he knew that if he did that, then they would have got relegated and they were a much more pragmatic team. And what I will say to the well, what I would suggest to them now is that they haven't got a worse squad than whatever Pacheco had when he kept them up twice. Um, they've got probably the same standard of players. I can't think of one particularly great player that they've lost and haven't been able to replace. In fact, I think Ascend is the best player that they've had the whole time they've been in the Premier League. And worth remembering that he is now Record their all-time all oh, Premier League top, top goal scorer. And I think he's possibly the best player that Rosella have ever had maybe other than for me ever remember my love of Kiko Bondoso but they they find themselves losing games week in week out and I do think that there is a misguided um, it comes from the top you know they've got these new owners they've cashed their chips in and then they've decided they've decided to um, um, I'm thinking I'm getting my gambling analogies mixed up there but they decided to roll the dice um, and you know, perhaps the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And, and they've they've lost a manager who knew how to manage that club. They've they've brought in a couple of managers who are experimental young managers, and I don't see it paying off. I would be surprised if they survived this season. I don't see great improvements coming from them in terms of results. I think they will stay at the level that they are now for the rest of the season, and we'll be looking at it as a team that oh well, they tried to play football the right way, but they got relegated. And I think, you know, it's 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 all well and good trying to do what they're doing, but I think it is naive. Yeah, and just so one player I was I saw it we do need to highlight the part uh, Bruno Wilson, the centre back, has gone yeah, to that's uh, true. uh America. But they I know I, I like um Anderson is, is a good player for them. Um uh, another good centre back. But look yeah I think I think you spoke really well though. I think that's um a good summary of where they're at. I, I but there's a party that likes it, and I, 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 you know, I like to see it. Um, I like to see the teams try and do it that way, and uh, yeah, it's we'll all see, right when we'll it's, it's all right when it's not your team, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, all right, let's do let's do the last of the games from the top four, and we'll do this one quickly. Porto, who uh, beat Estrella 2 0 at home, big result for Porto, who were in a pretty rough place. Uh, they lost to Aruca and drew with Rio Ave in their two previous games. Uh, before this one, similarly to Arthur George, there was a lot of talk about the fan base losing faith in in social Conceição. Although we've heard that time and time again over the last few years, um, this win, I guess, went some way to alleviating that pressure. Um, although you know they're still seven points off top spot, they're only seven points clear of 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 Vitória in fifth place. So it's been a decidedly average season so far. They had to win this game. It was a game they should have won. Um, but they did win it, so credit where it's due for that. Yeah, I mean, um, this was our... Well, I've seen a lot of people describe this as sort of Porto's strongest eleven, and that's with Otavio coming into this uh, back line for his debut. Um, you've got Nico Zaza and Verona midfield, which is really seems to be working quite well, I think, in my opinion. And Francisco Conchasau and Guilherme starting on the wings with Pepe behind Evan Wilson. And the reason I talk about that is because um, I think this, well, Trevor was an unused substitute for this game. Obviously, he'd been at AFCON, but he's come back. And any other season in the last few years, you would have seen Trevor get on the pitch at some point on the Um 
there's reports that he's signed a, a pre-contract agreement with Inter Milan. Um, I think that's pretty much confirmed. Yeah, so, you know, whether that's the reason or, or whether it's the fact that we're, we're sort of conscious of realise that this playing this way with Evan Nielsen's lone striker is the best way. It certainly gives more fluidity to that those three players behind behind the striker in Contrasal, Pepe and Galeno, I thought they were excellent at sort of coming inside, finding spaces, um, making stuff happen. It just looks a bit more dangerous. Um Evan Nielsen sort of fried. He's had a real good run of goals recently. Uh, uh although he didn't score in this game. Uh yeah, but, but I can't remember if we've had this sort of moment in previous season with Contrasal where it felt like I think it was when Mareg was at, at Porto and um, it just felt like there was a moment oh, midway through the season where something changed and things started to look better despite all the, the sort of negativity around the first half of the season I'm not saying this is going to be them pushing for the the, the championship I don't think they're, they're going to close that gap um, but it feels like they've got a bit more of an identity and a bit more of a Positivity and around the way they're playing and the the chances they're creating, um, yeah. I mean, it it was is Australia, uh, Australia at home. I mean, um, you know, you're playing at home against Australia, so that's another thing. But it, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty routine win, and um, but I, I feel like they have we have seen some changes that have been good from Conscious Sound and the fact that he's sort of kept with it and not sort of gone back to the old ways. I think is a good sign, and and then maybe the new substitute term is, is significant, like you know symbolic of that yeah although he's I was going to put this to you actually the fact that Tremor was in a bench in a slightly different way um, Conscious Al's loyalty to Remy is incredible I mean he did this incredible press conference after the after the game where he was asked about Tremor and you know um, why is he why is he on the bench you know when he's just signed for for another club and and Conscious Al gave this kind of answer, really impassioned answer, where he was saying, you know, no one feels the club more than Taremi. You know, he's he's uh, committed and X Y Z, blah blah blah. I mean, he brought many Taremi back onto the bench um, on his return from the Asian Cup after he'd only trained once um, at the expense of 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 Danny Namaso, and there was pictures of Namaso in the crowd, and I'd never seen that from Namaso where he really looked fed up. Um, so I think there is still that stubbornness there from from Conscious Al. I don't know if there's even point in having this conversation now, but you know there is. I don't know whether Conscious Al has 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 been as close to the exit door as he is now, or whether there's been that feeling that he really has this time done as much as he can with this team. Um, but you know, who knows? Like you said, maybe there will be a second. Uh, a second second wind this season and they'll uh, pick things up and, and and look much better and this was a good win so um that's the first you know first and most important step um well everyone knows we we like to try and talk about as many games outside the top 4 as we can obviously we don't have time to cover all of them um we're going to do two more before we end the show uh and I want to talk about uh GD Shavs 2 Boavista 1 um a massive win for Shavs who got their fourth win of the season can you believe it? 22 games in, they've only won four times. Um, they took advantage of Vizela losing to Benfica to move off the foot of the table. There are only four points of automatic safety. So this wasn't an easy win by any means. They did have a man sent off in in uh, the second half of the game at 1-1. But you have to say, Barney, it was a sublime finish 
from their top scorer, Hector Hernandez, a kind of half bicycle, half scissor kick, uh, half volley in the box, which uh, got them the win and a massive three points. One of the better performances I've seen from from Chavez this season. Um, and I think fairly deserving of the win. Yeah, I do. I think um, I think the substitutes were good for Shabs in this game. You know, uh, some of them fours, as you used the red cards you alluded to, but some sort of helped uh, add a bit of something. Um, I thought Jao Correa getting on the pitch after the crash got sent off. He got the assist one of them as well. Great one forward. Um, Hector Hernandez, who's got quite a few goals this season. I'm sorry, I'm bringing another statistic for from world football here. But he has the the highest. Well, he's he covers the highest distance per match in world football for a centre forward. Wow! So you know, that, that's I don't know. I I like him as a player. I really like him. You know, as I said, he's got a few goals this season. Um, he's he's a good he's a good player, and 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 Guzo as well getting the other goal for Chav in this game. A player I've sort of I really rated up Zido, and it's good to see him back. Um, I look. I it's hard not to. I, Obviously, you want to be positive about about Shavs up, right? But we can't, you know. I, just looking at this Borussia team for this game, it's such a different team. They just don't seem to have anything in in sort of creativity after the, um, you know, they they just have, uh, it's just you know, it's Agra, Machinio, and Lorenko behind Bosnik. Just maybe I'm being too harsh there, Albert, but it just feels like a real. It's a completely different team from what we, we we saw at the beginning of the season, and it just feels like such a step backwards. Um, yeah, sorry, I, I sorry to turn negative because I know this is a really big one for Chavs, but I just, I just, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's a, it's an important it's an important it's an important point. I mean, Bovish are such a confusing team. They seem to they're they're a real Jekyll and Hyde team because they won last weekend. You know, they beat um, Estrell. Uh, last week at home and they, and they played pretty well 3-1 you know not even a, a, a tight win and then they come into this game and 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 they were they were really dreadful and i think the the, the thing for Bovista is that they were playing against 10 men for the last 20 minutes of the game um with the game at 1-1 and they've had their problems this season and they need to keep away from the relegation zone and you just think that is a game that they have to go out and kill the game and win, you know, they're playing against a team lower than them in the table with no better squad than them, with not a better starting eleven, with a man less and 20 minutes to go out and get a win. Not only do they not get the winner, but they can't even hold on for the draw. I think it's so, so poor. Um, and it, But it's just, it, it, they're, they're just in a bizarre moment because, you know, we're going to do our, our preview show um, after this for the patrons and they'll probably go out and win their next game. It's just that they're they're in such a such a weird weird place, and um, I don't I don't even know how to how to assess them. But this game, uh, we're talking about this game, and I thought they were really bad, really really poor defensively. The goal, the second goal for Hector Hernandez, which is a wonderful finish, and if you've not seen it, go watch the highlights because it's it's worth seeing the goal. But it's a kind of uh, a ball played in from the wing, probably intended to be a header, but it's behind him. So he goes for the scissors, he goes for the bicycle kick and he scores. And he he, he takes advantage of, you know, in, in a way, it's not just a great finish, but actually by making that choice, he gains an advantage by doing something unexpected that the goalkeeper's not expecting and, and that kind of um, helps helps uh, helps with the goal. 
but the defending is so bad. There's no one near him. Um, there's no one anywhere close to him. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah, it's not good enough. And um, yeah, it's really, really, really frustrating. Sorry, to go back to Shavs, because I knew they obviously want to say, I've I, I really liked Darius Sugo for them since he's signed and started in the field. Uh, he played well against Grima for this. Um, Sandra Cruz as well as a, as a left wing back, I, I really rate in terms of an attacking one anyway. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is big for Moreno because they need they need points like this, um, and, and this is a result as you were saying like you know Burmester might go and win the next game who knows but this is a, one of these results that sort of just makes it all that bit more tighter that end of the table it's just you know there's so much so much going on there and uh, and and for Shavs yeah well for Hector to get back on the score, score sheet for Guzzo to get a goal as well and, and to play in a sort of slightly more advanced position than he was at Vizela. Um, I think, yeah, it's a, those are good signs for Shavs. Mm, absolutely. Um, all right, one last game before we go. Um, and I want to discuss uh, your friend of mine, Portman Ends. Um, I usually try and avoid talking about them, but I think they deserve attention as much as any other team. Uh, and I have to say, um, never thought I'd say it, but they did impress me in their 1-1 draw at home uh, against Victoria. Let's not forget that Victoria in their, previously, in their previous game scored two and held Benfica to a draw. So, you know, this is a this is a tough opponent, not an easy game by any means. Uh, and Portland's came from behind to get an important point. Um almost pains me to say it, but they 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 played really well, I thought. You know, Portland's they were they were positive, they were uh, aggressive in a good way, they were attacking. Um they went out and tried to get uh, the result. They weren't phased by going one nil down and, and I thought they they thoroughly deserved their point. Well, I'll talk about the the goal scorer Guga, um, the the right back, because um, he's I think he's um, uh, well he's an example of a lot of the stuff they do, which I I always find quite positive about Portsmouth. He came from a league of three. Uh, I had a season at Portsmouth under twenty threes where he, he played alongside um, Helio Varela, who who assisted him in this game, and he said he's he's not because being quite a small player, he never usually goes up for a header, but as soon as he saw Helio uh, run on the, on the wing, he knew that ball was coming in at some point. Uh, so he got himself up there and and, and, and got that, got the end of it. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about him well, because, you know, like I said, he's, he came from League of Three. They've got a really good record of uh, finding these sort of players, right? You know, look at Beto, 15 million uh, euros they sold him for. Samuel Portugal, 2.5 million. Fale Candidate Mets uh, for 2.5 million, you know, you know, slightly less, but they have lots of other players like that who are going for decent chunks of money and quite regularly as well. And then you look at the players that they've got currently who will go, in the likes of Real Vass, who's got to go for huge amounts of money. Varela as well, who I just talked about, who's one of the best dribblers in the league, I'd say. He's so confident and, and he's, you know, as soon as he gets the ball, he's looking to take his man on. Um a really good little winger who's got, he's definitely going to uh, go move on to bigger and better things at some point. But I think it, the reason I wanted to talk about that because you know sometimes we do give them a bad name for their footballing uh, uh, style. Uh, but I think as a club, and you can look at questionable uh, financial stories from previous transfers <laughs> of big clubs, but uh, generally, you know, they seem to have the good idea of, of sort of looking from a the lower leagues of Portugal and then making their money in that way and I quite like that and they're not afraid to give young players a chance um, and, and Guga the right back who got the, the, the equalizer in this game is, is a prime example and he looks like a decent little um, attacking fullback so um, yeah I, I, I just 
I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to bring some positivity to Portsmouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely, and and uh, and they completely deserve it. Yeah, Helio Varela, I think a, a player linked with Victoria in the January transfer window, and it and it didn't happen, but definitely a player that I think could play at a high level, really talented player. Um, and the one player that I enjoyed watching was uh, the new signing Barney the, the, that they played up front, Hidalberto Pereira, who um, I thought he looked good. To be fair, he. he uh, I think he's traditionally a winger, but they started him up front through the middle. Um, really got stuck in. Had a bit of an attitude about him, which I uh, quite liked. I wasn't afraid to um, get up close and personal with his uh, opposition players and, uh, and the referee and stuff like that. Um, looks like a solid player, physical, quick. Um, so yeah, I think you know the, the thing about Portsmouth is that they ha- they have missed a, a, a decent striker. I think since Beto left, and um, they've had a few. They've tried a few different options up front. But no one's really convinced. But um, um, I did like the look of him. Didn't score in this game. I mean, very possible that he won't score for the whole season. But um, I did. I did. Uh, <laughs> I did still like. I did still like the look of him in this match. Um, all right. I think we're going to call it there. That's probably all we've got time for uh, this week. It's been great to be back, uh, and we'll be back next week. But I know what you're saying. You're saying Albert. But I thought at this point, every show, you give us a game recommendation for what to watch next week. Well, listen. There is a whole other podcast that you can access by becoming a Longball Football Socio over on our Patreon. It's a weekly bonus podcast, a preview podcast, where we preview every single game coming up in the Primera Liga. It drops on either Wednesday or Thursday on our Patreon. If you're into your fantasy football, um, you can listen to that and get some tips on what players to pick. If you're into your betting, legally we cannot, you know, encourage you to do that and we do not take any responsibility for any uh, lost bets but we will be giving our opinions and all I'm saying is this you're listening to someone who has reached as high as number five in the UK for fantasy football so um, that's the kind of calibre of uh, previewing that we will be doing on our preview podcast Um, so check that out over on our Patreon and just a reminder it's only £1 a month excellent value Um, but I think that's all we've got time for for another week I think it's leaves to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week yes next week